Welcome to The Mentor List, a source of sound advice with your host, David Lewis. To seek support and you need to allow yourself to be supported. Really have a point of difference. What is precious, what's really important, and then putting some boundaries there. The Mentor List specialises in interviews with top business minds. Gather their advice for your career. This is The Mentor List. Hi, welcome to today's show. We need more than just new technology to stay organized in the modern workplace. We need new mindset, new systems, and new skills. This is all according to Dermot Crowley, which I tend to agree with, who is a productivity expert, speaker, coach, and trainer. He's also an alumni of the Thought Leaders Business School, and call out to Matt Church, and Peter Corker on a, another outstanding member from their business community. So very happy and very pleased to welcome you to Dermot Crowley and this episode of The Mentor List. Enjoy. Okay, Dermot Crowley, welcome to The Mentor List. Thank you. Yeah, great to have you in and on the red eye this morning from Sydney. So thank you for flying in. I know you've got a few other things to do today, but it's going to be a big day for you. Uh, but appreciate you taking the time for our listeners and yeah, topics that will be dear to my heart and I can't wait to start um, questioning you about product, all things productivity. But I might, maybe for the listeners that don't know Dermot Crowley, just if you could share a little about your story. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I'm, I'm originally from Dublin, uh, Ireland. I came out to Australia 25 years ago, so I've just crossed that line where I've been 25 years in Ireland and 25 years in Australia, wow. so I'm um, pretty cool. Haven't lost my accent. But in Ireland, my career was quite different. I started out in retail and I moved into wine and started working for a wine company in, in Dublin. Now, I never went to uni. I, I actually I was one of those people who didn't quite do well enough at school to go into uni so I had to forge my path in a different way and, and I, I reckon it was through just hard work and persistence. I had the pleasure of working with the worst boss in the world and then the best boss in the world while I was there and that, that was a really interesting start to my career because I got to see what not to do and, and then see what, what you could do to create a great customer experience and I reckon that was very formative for me. Came out to Australia as a backpacker in, in 1993 and had a wonderful time drinking my way around Australia. And, uh, and then, of course, I fell in love and, and ended up settling here in Australia and never looked back. But I, I think I, I took, I decided to take a, a bit of a, a different career path. I wanted to do something very different. And I started working for a time management training company. Now, back in those days, it was all about paper diary systems. Right. This is before, I guess, computers are mainstream. Or That's right. Yeah. Yes. Like they were around, but yep. people didn't have laptops and people didn't use tools like Microsoft Outlook. They used paper diaries. And I worked for uh, for a number of years, worked for a company that was uh, big around the world and they, they really focused on a, a paper diary system and, and ran a training course um, around that, how to use that effectively. And I just fell in love with the whole idea of productivity. So whether it was schedules or prioritization or planning, I just loved everything about it. And, and I, wasn't, I wasn't in a training role. I was actually in a sales role. And probably after about six years, I, I um, kind of my hand was forced. I was made redundant. Um, a number of uh, people in the office were made redundant. And I, I could have gone to work for the head office of, of this company. Yep. 
And I decided, no, I I, I want to do this myself. And this was the point when technology was coming into the workplace and email was suddenly becoming an issue. And it seemed to me that it didn't make sense to teach people how to organize themselves using paper diary systems when they had all these fantastic tools at their fingertips uh, on their computers at at this point in time. And that was what really interested me, exploring how to help people to be productive in the technology workplace. And it's pretty much what I've focused on ever since. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. So, talk us through, I guess, that next step. So, the redundancies sort of come through and you're, you're thinking, okay, I want to give this a crack. So, is this this is sort of you're starting a business or yeah. um, maybe talk us through that transition? Yeah. So, I started a business on the 1st of July. So, at the very start of the financial year, I had a six-month-old at the time and I kind of had enough of a payout to last me until Christmas. Right. And I thought, okay, I'll give this till Christmas. I'll give myself six months and um, see if I can make a go of it. I remember about November thinking, you know, unless things turn around pretty quickly, I'm going to have to find a job. And about a week later, I got my first major contract with a a client who who, I remember going into the, the client's office and I knew I got the business, but I was kind of expecting that, Maybe they'd book one or two workshops in with me, and I was really excited. And they said, okay, we, uh, we want you to run four workshops in Sydney and four in Melbourne and three in Brisbane and two in Perth. And I was just, <laughs> wow, that was my first big break. And I never, I really didn't look back after that. Everything started to really flow from that point. But it was a, it, it was a big leap of faith because I hadn't actually run training before i would seen a lot of people do it i was very passionate about it. i'd written training programs but i just had to back myself and go you know what i've got a personality i can talk and it worked and and you know since then i've obviously really honed my skills a lot and i've taught deeply about my subject but it was a real success i guess another turning point came for me probably about five years ago where, you know, I've been running my own business for a decade at that point or, or slightly more, and it was successful and I was good at it. And I think uh, my clients really loved what, what we did, but I'd reached a, a ceiling. I, I just couldn't seem to grow anymore because when, when you essentially sell your own time, there's always a, a limit to, you know, what you can do and, and how much you can earn. So I... Luckily, came across a, a group called Thought Leaders. Uh, I'm sure you've had other thought leaders on uh, on your show uh, in the past, um, run by a guy called Matt Church, and it completely transformed my thinking about productivity and, and really helped me to, uh, I suppose, step up to the next level. Mm. One of the challenges that I, I was given was the fact that my thinking was good, it was very practical, but it was really based on other people's thinking. Um, people like Stephen Covey is very famous in the productivity world. Yep. And I, like most other people teaching time management or productivity, you know, would use a lot of the content. And, yep. and, you know, we were open about it. We weren't stealing the content, but it was just regurgitating other people's thinking, really. And the challenge that was laid to me was how about not using that content at all? How about if you had to go on run training and completely come up with your own content? And mm. I kind of went, oh, can't be done. <laughs> it's impossible. 
but it really forced me to think about okay what's the next le- this step for me what's the next level and um, i pretty much a week later stopped running any content that wasn't completely my own and it, it led to um a couple of years later writing my own book and and again when i wrote um smart work i absolutely forced myself to not use anyone else's content to completely come up with my own content and it was the best thing that ever happened to me because it really made me think deeply about productivity and much more than i had ever done and I think you can track a big step jump in my success with that decision to to really go on my own thinking. Great. And um, you can probably tell where my next questions are going to go and give them the audience's curiosity as well. So, so productivity, I mean, so talk us through, I guess, that process. So you've created your own content. I'm just looking at the time now. We're kind of eight minutes in and I know I want to go deep on this. But where do we start? I mean, what can you share about productivity in your own journey Mm. that someone's sort of listening in on their way to work that they can sort of say, hey, yes, that sort of makes sense for me or Mm. how do you simplify it and I guess give us some pearls of wisdom about productivity that we might be able to you know, replicate and duplicate. Okay, so look, I reckon that the first thing is to think about technology. So I talk, I talk a lot about theory, theory behind good productivity practices. But I think that you can go to a lot of training, you can read a lot of books that talk about theory. And the the problem that most people have is they get the theory, they go right, that makes a lot of sense. But what do I do tomorrow when I hit my desk? How do I actually implement that? So I'm a big fan of linking the theory to your technology. Now, take a tool like Microsoft Outlook, which I would say in the corporate world, 90% of the corporate world would all use Microsoft Outlook on a PC. Yeah, It's been around for 20 years, so it celebrates its 20th anniversary this year. Wow. And we all come in every day and we, we open up Outlook because that's where our emails are. And everyone's very comfortable with using it. But my experience is most people use maybe 20% of its capability. A lot of people learn the very basics, but they never really go beyond that. And I tend to find that most people are still using 20th century methodologies, even though they're using 21st century technology. Uh, We're still using um, the mindsets that were appropriate when we were using paper diaries. And to be honest, when it comes to managing half of our work, uh, the things that we need to do, most people still use a paper to-do list. And that's one of the big, big problems, I reckon. We tend to fragment our work and we have too many different places that we need to look if we want to get organized. So some of your work is probably in your inbox Mm. because it's come in by email. Some of it's in your notepad, some of it's in your to-do list, some of it's in your head, some of it's in the pile of papers on your desk. So it tends to be all over the place. So the first big idea for me with with anyone that I'm talking to about personal productivity is you need to centralize everything you need to do into one place. And you've got the tools to do it. So whether you're using Microsoft Outlook or Gmail or Outlook on a Mac, they've all got the ability to allow you to manage both your mailing workload and your task workload in the one tool. And the benefit of that, I reckon, is the fact that it, it forces you to wrap the element of time around what you're doing so when you write out a to-do list on a piece of paper there's no sense of when you're going to do that stuff you're just making a list or a pile of stuff you need to do yeah so tools like microsoft outlook allow you to schedule time for particular activities into your calendar 
And that's great for meetings and it's great maybe for bigger chunks of work that you need to focus on. But then it also allows you to create task lists that are time-based. And I, I find that a much more effective way to manage your priorities. So for instance, today I've got a relatively busy meeting schedule. But I've got some capacity, I'll be in airports and and I've got some time. And what I've also got is a task list for today. So I've got maybe five things that I hope to get done today. I've got one meeting tomorrow, the rest of the time I'm in the office. I've probably got 10 things on my list of things to do tomorrow. So I actually create dated lists. I've always found that a much more practical way, much more manageable way and a less overwhelming way to manage all the things that we need to do on a day-to-day basis. So centralize everything into one tool. So you're capturing it, you've centralized it, it's digital as opposed to the handwritten note. Um, we're allocating time to it and potentially even scheduling it in that one process. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. And we're using tools that are fit for purpose. So, you know, if I've got a task in my task list and I decide that, you know what, that's going to take me an hour and I might need to protect some time in my schedule for that, I can just drag the task straight into my calendar and it'll map it into my calendar. A lot of our work is driven by email. And this for me is the the real reason why I think we need to use digital tools to manage what we need to do. A lot of our work these days is driven by email. And I tend to find that most people have really poor strategies in place around how they manage email. So the the worst inbox I've ever come across had no less than 129,546 emails in it. Um, This is the IT director of a large organization. And he was kind of proud of that. It was a bit of a badge of honor for him. But it's shocking like that that is just chaos. And he was using his inbox not only as a place to receive email, he was also using his inbox as a a filing system. Mm And worst of all, he was using his inbox as a to-do list. So he was just leaving emails in his inbox that required action. And he was marking them on red. And if they were still on red, they still needed action. But the problem was he probably had 3,000 unread emails in his inbox. So that, that wasn't really helping. Yeah, I have this issue at the moment. Not 3,000, but um, also I'm interested in, in, okay. in where we go with this. So here's my belief. It's real simple. And this is the way the tools were designed to be used. I believe that you should get your inbox down to zero at least once a week. And when I say zero, I don't mean you've read everything in your inbox. You physically have nothing in your inbox. Now, most people laugh when I say that. They, they think it impossible, but it's actually really easy. And, and what it does is it, it gives you clarity. It gives you focus. And it reduces the overwhelm that so many people are feeling. So the, the statistics reckon or the, the research reckons that once you've got more than 50 emails in your inbox, you start to feel overwhelmed. And, and that's most people every day. Mm. So uh, once a week, I get my inbox to zero. Now, I don't use my inbox as a filing system. I have a separate folder for that. Um, I just have one folder, and that is it. Mm-hmm. So I, I, most people I work with would have lots of filing folders, and they, they spend half their life putting things into the right place to make sure that they can find it again. All of the research shows the opposite is true. If you have lots of filing folders, it takes you longer to find things. Then if you have one filing folder and you get good at searching. So I've got one filing folder separate to my inbox. And if I need to keep something, it goes in there. But the real key is how we manage actions. And if you think about the two types of actions we generally do, we've got meetings and we've got tasks. With our meetings, generally we receive meeting invitations. 
and we press accept on those meeting invitations and they go straight into our calendar. So it makes sense. We manage the activity in our calendar. Mm -hmm. A lot of what I'm doing around email management and task management for clients is helping them to employ the same thinking when it comes to their priorities. So if I get an email into Microsoft Outlook and I think, okay, that's something I need to do. I don't need to do it now, but I want to make sure I don't forget to do it tomorrow. Yep. I simply press a button in Outlook that turns it into a task and I schedule that email as an activity for tomorrow. And then I get rid of it from my inbox. I don't need it there anymore because I trust that my task list will show me that I need to do that and I have all the information at my fingertips. So this isn't revolutionary thinking. You've been able to do this in Microsoft Outlook for 20 years. It's just that most people are still employing the same old way we used to think about things um, when we were using paper, and, and it's not relevant anymore. And then you get new people coming into the workplace who are looking at what their bosses do, and they're learning bad habits from the bosses because the bosses don't know any better. So I'm really, really excited about you know showing people just what the technology at their fingertips can do for them and just wrap a, a bit of, of process and a bit of theory around that. And suddenly it's, it's not very hard to be organized. Yeah, I, I guess um, I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on this. I certainly have a paper to-do list running weekly, daily, monthly, and the reason I went to sort of back to paper was because I, I'd find I'd be reactive if I'm in these tools because I'm getting so many. I mean, I'm a bit like a magpie, so I yep. see something shiny and then I forget completely what I was doing. Yep. So, yeah, what are your thoughts around, I guess, is it reactive versus this proactive sort of approach? Mm. Um, and, you know, any advice for me and I'm sure my listeners around what do we do with all this noise and distraction, especially when we're saying to keep it digital and that's where I find a lot of the distractions are? Sure. Well, you know, again, if you, I'll, I'll talk about in terms of Microsoft Outlook because that, that is probably what most of your listeners are using. But I know all of the tools that you, you have out there, they all do the same thing. So there's different places in Microsoft Outlook. You've got your calendar, you've got your email, you've got your contacts folder, you've got your task list. The first thing I suggest to people is that they stop using their inbox as their default screen. Because if you think about it, your inbox is basically an organizing system for everyone else's priorities. So I don't tend to sit with my inbox open. Instead, I use my calendar. In fact, I use a combination of my calendar and my task list as my default screen in Outlook. Um, you, can, you can make setting changes to tell Outlook to open straight into the calendar, and that's a good circuit breaker because yeah. it, it forces you to think about your priorities before you go and check your email. The second thing I recommend is turn off all of your email alerts. You don't need to get any bings or bongs or, or sliding little boxes that come across your screen every time you get an email. And there's a whole ton of research that will show you that that really drags your productivity down because it's, it's getting you to switch your focus all of the time. So I've turned all of those off. And all I do is I go and check my email at regular times throughout the day. So generally, first thing in the morning, I'd probably spend half an hour, 45 minutes on my email. Then I put it away. And I focus on my priorities and my schedule. Um, later on the day, in the afternoon, I usually probably spend another half an hour on my email. They're, they're my main two processing zones. And then outside of that, probably about once an hour, I'll have a quick five-minute check to see if there's anything that I need to be across, anything urgent. But I'm doing that proactively. I'm not reacting to email. And my ex expectation is if there's anything so urgent that I need to see it within an hour, don't send me an email. Pick up the phone, come mm. and talk to me, 
but don't use email as an instant messaging system because I'm not going to be looking at it. And if you want me to be productive in my role, you shouldn't have an expectation that I'm looking at my email all day long. Yeah, right. So it's it's not rocket science. It's it's relatively easy. Great advice. I love it. Okay, so we're batching, I guess, almost email batching at two points in the day and then we've got our hourly check-ins. Yeah, great. Okay. I'll, uh, I'm actually going to implement that myself today. So the, there's research that shows that the average Australian worker spends um, approximately 3.2 hours a day managing email. And I think that that's crazy. I, you know, given the methodology I just shared with you there, I probably spend, you know, an hour to an hour and a half on email a day. And yep. I, I would get 120 emails a day. And mm. so not insignificant uh, amounts. Yep. Now, I only see about 50 of them because I'm also clever with the use of rules and filters to block the total unnecessary emails and to divert some of the informational stuff. You've got to do that in, in today's busy email-driven workplace, if you're not uh, actively filtering emails before they hit your inbox, then it's yep. too hard to stay on top of them. Yeah, fantastic. Well, yeah, I, I could talk about this. I mean, I think there's a podcast series just in, in productivity. But um, so, so you mentioned before about your book. So maybe we can have a have a talk about, you mentioned, was that out of the back of the Thought Leaders program that you've done? And maybe you could plug the book as well and we could talk about some of the concepts. Sure, yeah. So about two years ago, Smart Work was published by Wiley. I always thought I had a book in me, but um, I think Thought Leaders really helped me to, uh, to bring that to life, to do the critical thinking and, you know, to understand the process of writing a book. Not as complex as I thought it was going to be. It's hard work, but if you know your stuff, if you've done what you you do for a number of years, it, it's easy enough to get it out of your head. The editing process is always the the hardest um, there to, to pull it into something meaningful. And I guess one of the things that I like to think about myself is what I'm good at is making the complex simple yeah. for people. And, and that that's what I, I hope smart work has done. It's, it's not, you know, while I, it's completely my own thinking, you know, there's only so many ways you can talk about how you manage email. And there's lots of other people that talk about similar concepts. Yeah. Um, so it's not groundbreaking in that regard. But it is a really good guide, a holistic guide to how you manage three areas of your productivity and what I call your actions. So what we talked about with you, the combination of your calendar and your task list, how you manage your input. So how you deal with your emails and all of the other forms of incoming work. And then the third section of the book is all about outcomes. So how do you make sure that you're working on the right stuff to achieve the objectives that you need to achieve? For a long time, I thought that productivity was personal productivity, and that's what smart work is all about. But it was only when I wrote smart work that I realized that there's a whole other layer above that, which is what I would call team productivity. And it's really about how, how do we work together more productively? So if I could use an analogy, if you took a performance racing car, there's two things that, that you can do to make the car go faster. You can build a more powerful engine and, and tune that up, and that's going to drive the car forward. And that's what I, I like in personal productivity too, getting your own stuff in order and increasing your own performance. But the other thing you could do with a racing car is you could reduce drag. 
and a lot of the you know the top um, uh, races uh, or, or racing cars will will spend a huge amount of money on airflow to make sure that they're um, reducing drag and friction as much as possible. That's the way I think about team productivity. So when we work together in organizations or in teams, we tend to cause what I call productivity friction. So we're constantly doing things that drag other product other people's productivity down. And they're doing things that drag our productivity down. So if we can minimize that drag, it also increases productivity. So um, I'm just about to publish my, my second book, Smart Teams, which is all about that idea. And I think the two are really complementary. And, and if we can do this in organizations, if we can work on people's personal productivity and reduce the, the productivity friction, then you've got the greatest chance of, of a sustained productivity boost within a team. Yeah, fantastic. And um, I'll have the links to them, both those books. So, yeah, you said you didn't think you'd have one book in you. You actually had two, maybe three. Uh, potentially three. I'm on a roll. But, yeah, I'll, I'll link to both the Smart Work and Smart Teams uh, up on thementalist.com. Thank you. Um, and thank you also for bringing in a book. It's just such a nice – like we were talking about it before, it's – you, when you meet someone, you can give them a business card, but when there's a book yeah. and it's just another level of, I don't know, it builds a connection quite quickly. So sure. appreciate that and uh, looking forward to having a read. Uh, so the other question was just around habits. So we've kind of, uh, by my own curiosity and interest, we've, we've kind of dug in a little, but is there one habit, and you may have already mentioned it, that someone that's helped you, I guess, in productivity or that you see continuously is just, oh, if you just do this one thing, it'll just give you such a... Uh, yeah, an increase in productivity or, mm. yeah, is there one thing or is that just simplifying mm. it too much? Oh, look, there are lots of things, but I, there is one thing that is very close to my heart. And I often say to people, whether they've seen me doing a keynote presentation at a conference or we're in a training uh, workshop, I kind of say to people, look, there's lots of stuff that I've covered with you here, but if you were to just do one thing out of this, this is it. And it's as simple as taking time out to plan. So there's a quote I love uh, by President Eisenhower from his time in the American army during the Second World War. He, he said that going into battle, plans were a complete waste of time, but taking time out to plan was invaluable. And what he meant by that was, uh, you know, the minute the first bullet is fired in, in your battle, your plans go out the window. But having taken the time to plan, it allowed him to make better decisions in the heat of battle. Mm. And I believe that when you take time out to plan in your workday, it allows you to make better decisions about how you use your time. And the problem is that most of us feel too busy to stop and plan. We've got so much to do. We've got so many emails in our inbox. We've got so many meetings in our schedule that we just get stuck straight into it and we try and plow through it the hard way. And we almost need to slow down to speed up with this stuff. Mm. So I talk about personal planning. So most people do plan because they're often in team, team environments that force a certain level of planning. But often what they're doing is they're planning at the, at the organizational level or they're planning at the team level or they might be planning at the project level. But very few people take enough time out to plan at the personal level. And that creates a disconnect between what you're trying to achieve and what you're actually spending your time on. So from a personal planning point of view, there's three planning points that I think are really valuable. On a monthly basis, I would normally take myself away for about an hour 
And when I mean away, I mean I just get out of my work environment. I go and get a coffee or I um, go hide in a corner and I make a list and the list is my top 10 priorities for the month ahead, what I believe to be the big chunky items that I want to move forward over the next month. Uh, I don't have to complete them in the month, but I just want to make sure that I put some focus on them in the month. On a weekly basis, I would usually spend about half an hour, maybe 45 minutes planning my week, usually on a Friday morning. And I use a a three-dimensional planning process where I, first of all, look back at the week that I've just had and I I review it and I bring myself up to date. I then look forward at the coming week and I get organized for it. I then look several weeks ahead and I start to anticipate what's coming down the track at me. And then finally, I look up at the big picture and I think about what are some of the next step actions that I need to be dropping into my schedule to drive some of those items forward. So it's a kind of 360 degree review. Then on a daily basis, I probably spend about 10 minutes planning my day. So the first thing I do every morning is get a coffee. The second thing I do is I plan my day. And I get really clear about what are my meetings for today and what are the priorities that I need to get done today, whether they be three things, five things, or 15 things. I try to make sure that I've got a balanced, achievable, focused plan of action for the day. Fantastic. I I just love this stuff. (laughs) It's just... It's practical. You can you can pick it up. You can use it, and I can just see how it works. I really like the three sixty degree feedback. So, are you scheduling that time each Friday? Yeah, minutes? yeah. I've got a, a recurring appointment in my calendar yeah. every Friday morning about eight thirty, and it's movable. So, you know, if I'm training on a Friday, well, then it gets done on a Thursday, or it yeah. gets done maybe sometimes on the weekend, but it doesn't. It does not get done. Yeah. No. Um. Yeah. Really appreciate. I was going to ask you for advice, but I mean, that those three steps, planning points, is is covered it off in its entirety. Yeah. So I might sort of wrap it up because I know I could ask you questions all day, but I know people are um wanting to keep this to one commute or one walking session of the dog. So yeah. So for those that are resonating with what you're saying, or they want to sort of you know, follow this productivity path a bit further. Um, how would they go about contacting you and who typically would contact you about productivity? Sure. Look, most of my client base would be corporates. Uh, I, I work a lot with the banks, law firms, manufacturing organizations, you, you name it. I probably work there, but it, it does t- tend to be corporate purely because of my heavy focus on technology. They're normally using tools like Microsoft Outlook, and, and I just have a lot of traction with them. But I think you know the principles that I talk about are relevant to anyone, um, uh, no matter what tools you're using. We've got a website, which is our company website. So it's uh, adaptproductivity.com.au. And on there, you know, it lists all of the different services there's some really useful stuff on there so i've written a few white papers um, that yep. you can download and, and access and um, if you're interested in the books if you go onto amazon or go into uh, any of the big booksellers they would be on sale there and um, smart work and smart teams and um, they're published by wiley so go onto the wiley website you'll find them as well and of course i'm on um i'm on linkedin uh, if anyone wants to connect with me and uh, you'll find my email address and details like that on our website. So very easy yep. to contact. I'm very happy to talk to anyone about anything that we've talked about. Yeah, fantastic. And 
Yeah, thank you again for making the time. And it's good, great to see that we could fit into the priorities of your schedule. And um, yeah, great to have you down from Sydney for the day and to catch you. Seems like the stars have aligned. But yeah, for everyone listening in, make sure you schedule some time next week for another great show. Thanks, Dermot. Thank you. The Mentalist specializes in interviews with top business minds. Gather their advice for your career. This is The Mentalist.